Thanks for joining us today at Launch Point Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. We believe the Bible is the written word of God without error and useful for every part of our lives. We believe that through learning and teaching of the word, others might come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Thanks again and enjoy today's message from Pastor Jim Kubik. I'm not sure how much longer we're going to do this prayer, these prayer conversations, but I think it's important that we do it and do it more often than we do because I'm afraid the church largely, to include this one, but the overall church gives lip service to prayer without actually being people of prayer. I'm, I'm, I don't want to use the word scared, but maybe that's the word, that we, at some point in our evolution as a church, become self-sufficient, that we think that we can accomplish that which only the Holy Spirit can accomplish. Because we've grown into this lack of understanding that that our righteousness, which we don't actually possess, is of us, that we are capable of doing the things that God has called us to do and God should be empowering us to do. In prayer, conversation with God puts us back in a place where we understand, one, who we're talking to, specifically who we are when we're talking to him, and that is a reliant People. We should be reliant people today and every day. But in order to be reliant, we must be reliant upon something. And the thing that we're relying upon, the person that we're reliant upon is God through Christ Jesus. But none of this is possible if we aren't humble. But what is humility? I, I preach on humility all the time. Not all the time, regularly enough. And can I tell you, I never want to. Humility is one of those things. If you pray for strength, God's going to give you an opportunity to be strong, and it's probably not going to be comfortable. If you pray for humility, God's going to give you an opportunity to be humbled, and that's not very comfortable. But regardless, we should still pray for humility. We should recognize and walk in prayer in humility. Now, what does that mean? That doesn't mean that we're self-abasing. I've heard people say everything from, I'm a worm to I'm the worst. Well, the fact of the matter is, you're the son of a daughter of the Most High King. You're neither of those things. And to admit that you're neither of those things isn't a lack of humility. It's a proper understanding of who you actually are. It's a, it's a reasonable right Self-assessment. We should have the right self-assessment. That is humility, not an elevated self-assessment, not a lowered self-assessment, but an actual viable self-assessment. Dave Ramsey's famous for saying it, and it drives me crazy, or was, I guess, before he passed away. <clears throat> Many of you have heard it. Somebody asked, hey, how you doing? And Dave Ramsey's answer was always, it's better than I deserve. Right? 
What's wrong with that? The fact of the matter is, that's not true. You're the son or daughter of a most high king. You deserve to be treated as the daughter and the son of the most high king. And it's not unhumble to say that. I belong to God. Jesus Christ gave his life so that I might be in relationship with him. I can be bold about that, but still be humble. And in fact, I should be. But there is a definitive line between boldness and arrogance. And in that line, where that line is, is our proper assessment, our humble place, the place where we can be who we're called to be and glorify God in that space. Amen? But we have to know what that looks like. We have to be able to remain humble in all things because humility, in humility, we have access to God. In humility, we have blessing from God. James 4, 6 says this, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud. That means he is in direct opposition. The omnipotent, the all-powerful, the transcendent, the omniscient God, omnipresent God, is in direct opposition to the proud. But he gives grace, that which we don't deserve, to the humble. I don't know about y'all, but I need grace, not opposition from God. And the Bible tells me that if I am humble, I'll receive grace, not opposition from God. Am I speaking too fast? Everybody with me? All right, I'm going to try to, I'm not going to slow walk this today, but I am kind of because, man, it's pivotal that we understand our proper position. And so we're going to talk about that specifically in regard to humility from Luke chapter 18. So if you want to turn there, <clears throat> there's two parables, chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, and chapter 18, verses 9 through 17, that discuss prayer. Jesus gives two parables on prayer. The first one is the unrighteous judge or the persistent widow, whichever your Bible may say. But it's, it's not, actually, I'm not going to cover that one today, but it's for a purpose. And I will just tell you what that purpose is. Jesus says, be persistent in your prayer, which is what the parable is about. Don't lose heart. Always pray as you ought. Don't lose heart. Be persistent. So it, I'm just giving that as a sidebar to let you know where he's headed after that. Too many of us don't get the answer we want from God or the answer we think we should get from God, and so we lose heart. We stop praying the way that we should. A humble person realizes that it doesn't matter what answer you get from God. If that's the answer from God, you're to walk in it. Sadly, the Americanized understanding is that if it's not a yes, God didn't answer my prayer. But that's not true. There's three answers that God can give you in prayer. Yes, which is what we're all praying for. No, and not yet. Perhaps you're not spiritually prepared, mentally prepared, physically prepared to receive the blessing or whatever it is you're asking God for. 
Amen? And so he says, but regardless, don't lose heart. Still be people of prayer until you receive that prayer or until you receive that answer. Don't lose heart in your prayer. That's a whole other sermon. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it. I just want to tell you, as we're talking about being humble, don't grow arrogance in the fact, arrogant in the fact that God's not answering your prayer. Don't lose heart. He hears you. He knows your request. And he's either going to give you a yes, no, or not yet if he hasn't already. Amen? What I am going to talk about today is our posture as we continue and be persistent in that prayer as we don't lose heart. Verses 9 through 17. And I'm going to read that now. And he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Do you think he's really thankful? He's not thankful. He thinks he's self-sufficient. What's he really got to be thankful for? He thinks his works have done him some kind of good. All, the, all our works do is prove that we're saved. They prove us. They don't make us. Amen? But anyway, I, I digress. I'll get to that in a minute. 13, but the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you about the proper posture of prayer. And the proper posture of prayer is humility. In four bullet points. Number one, if you take notes, just so you know, I do bullet point teaching because I want you to take notes. And bullet points are easier to follow because I want you to prove me or disprove me. In humility, we acknowledge his righteousness and deny ours. In humility, we acknowledge his righteousness and deny ours. I'm going to go to the Pharisee first. He was known in this community as a righteous man. They acknowledged him as being religious and spiritual and all those kinds of things. The sad thing is, is that when he went to temple, who did he pray to? It says very specifically, he trusted in himself. He's talking to the Pharisees. He said, I'm saying this for those that trust in themselves. 
If you're praying with trust in yourself, you're not praying in humility and should expect to receive nothing from God. If you think you're self-sufficient, I'm here to tell you you're not self-sufficient. If you think you can meet your own need, you can't meet your own need. You can't do anything except for God. There's a heresy right now that'll tell you that because God created you in his image, that you carry the image of God and that you too are a creator. You are not a creator. You are dependent upon God for all things. You can't create anything. The most you can do is take what God has created and create and build some byproduct from it. But we have to understand everything comes from God. Our salvation, our life, our family, our job, our finances, our strength, the breath in our lungs, our home. Everything that we have is a grace to us. You know what that means? That means it's something that God delivered to us for no other reason than he wanted to, not because we deserve it. It's the person who prays to himself that thinks he has somehow accomplished his own salvation through works. Paul is very pointed about this, that it's not by works, it's by faith that you are saved. By grace, through faith. Amen? Amen. Not works. So declaring yourself righteous doesn't make you righteous. Matter of fact, none of us are righteous. I'm going to read this to you. Pay attention. Romans 3, 9b through 11. You're, oh yeah, you tell us this one all the time. I'm familiar. Good, maybe you'll listen to it this time. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. Greeks are everybody that aren't Jews. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seek after God. I want you all to repeat this after me. You ready? None. None. Not even one. None. 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 That's a lot of nones. You You think God's trying to tell us something? You think the Spirit's trying to get Paul to write something down that we need to understand? That if you're counting on your own righteousness to be, un, to be righteous, you are absolutely unrighteous because none of us are righteous outside of Christ Jesus. But praise God, he gave us the ability to become righteous. Why am I humble? Because I know. Sorry about that. I'm not used to this lapel mic and I poke myself in the chest all the time. <laughs> because I know that what I have, I didn't earn. God gave it to me because he loves me. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says this, but by his doing, it's God's doing, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. Remember, we've talked about how God had a plan from the foundations of the earth to save you. By his doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom that is translated as salvation from God and righteousness, which is right standing, and sanctification, which means becoming perfected, and redemption, which means bought back from the kingdom of darkness. So I'm going to read this text actually to you without adding my own words. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, 
who came to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So let me ask you a question. What inside of this text indicates to you or indicates to us that we have accomplished anything on our own? Nothing. It's all God's plan, Christ's doing, Spirit's empowerment. Amen? And that, my friends, should cause us to walk in humility, to approach the throne room of grace. We hear confident in the Scripture, and for sure we should be, but sometimes confidence, not sometimes, all the time, confidence has to be in humility. I have confidence, not in who I am. If you'll read the text, and I think it's Hebrews 4.16, it's not confidence in my own ability to approach the throne room of God, but confidence in Jesus Christ as my high priest that I have the ability. Everything in Christ Jesus. I have nothing outside of Christ Jesus. I have nothing outside of Christ Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time just because it makes me feel good. I have nothing outside of Christ Jesus, and I should walk in humility for that. Because short of that, I would be condemned to eternal hell without the love of God. Eternally separated according to what the Word says. But God loved me enough that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in me, believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, that's good right there, man. That's good preaching. If I have to be humble enough to say so myself. Because the fierce Pharisee lacked humility, he prayed to himself. And this is what he prayed. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Man, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said something like this, stupid like this to me. I'll ask them, where are you at? How's your walk? And they always allude, well, I'm not doing this, so that's good. I'm not doing that, so that's good. You know, so-and-so, he's pretty jacked up. I ain't as jacked up as that guy is. Y'all ever heard anything like that? Perhaps even thought anything like that. You didn't have to say it out loud for it to be heard in the ears of God. I've done it. Because we have a tendency to grade our sin. We say, oh, I'm not a murderer. Told this little white lie, though, going to the same hell if you don't ask for forgiveness and repentance and if you walk in that. What? That's mean, man. That's not mean. That's the word of God. You know why? Because we see sin on the ground level. We have a horizontal view of sin. And I don't know if I've shared this illustration with you or not, but let me tell you, if I have, it's, it's still good, so I'm going to do it again. You look at a cityscape, what do you see? You see big buildings, tall buildings, short buildings, wide buildings, fat buildings. You see all different sized buildings. And they look like this, right? That's how we have a tendency to look at sin. And there's these little bitty sins. And then there's these great, big, huge, towering over everything sins. And somehow we think that sin is more significant than this sin. 
But God doesn't see our sin from a horizontal position. God sees our sin from a transcendent position, which means above. And if you'll look down, get in a helicopter, look down at a city, you know what you see? You see a bunch of squares. You can't tell how tall they are. You can't tell how many stories they've got. You can't tell any of that. You can just tell that a building's there. When God's looking at you, he just sees that there's sin there. And that should humble us. For us to ever get into a place and say, at least I'm not that guy, means that you didn't understand the grace you were given because you were in the same divine rebellion against the divine God that he's in. Yeah, I said that right. Well, I, I had to filter it back through, make sure I said that right. But that's right, right? Just so y'all know, I fact check myself all the time while I'm up here preaching. My point is, we can't be like this Pharisee. We, you can't work your way into heaven. Do I appreciate you paying your tithe? I do. Does God appreciate you paying your tithe? He does. Does he expect you to walk in righteousness and appreciate when you do? He does. So do I. It costs me a whole lot less problems when y'all act right. But you paying your tithes or not paying your tithes isn't going to keep you out of hell. It's going to keep you out of blessing. The whole point is stop judging yourself based on your sin. Start judging yourself on your humility and willingness to ask God to forgive your sin. That's why humility is so important in prayer. Because how can we receive anything from God or anyone if we're not willing to say that we have a need we can't meet? I have to be humble enough to say I don't have the finances I need, but God can provide. I don't have the protection I need, but God can provide. I don't have the health that I need, but God can provide. I don't have insert whatever you're dealing with here, but let me tell you, God can provide. You just have to be humble enough to ask. Amen? Humility is everything. I think... It's the greatest characteristic of, hu of Christian nature, of your new nature, is humility. You know why I think that? And it's, I just, just, it's my personal thought. Because pride is the genesis of all sin. If everything starts in pride, which it did and does, anytime you sin, that's a pride issue. You think you know better. You think you can provide better. You think you can save yourself. You think you're better than somebody. So you walk in pride and cause yourself to sin. Not until you destroy that pride and begin to walk in humility can you walk according to the way you're supposed to walk. Maybe we should pray for humility while praying with a humble spirit. Let's be like this other guy. Verse 13, he says, but the tax collector. Ooh, somebody. Let me tell you the second point before I get to that is in humility, we admit our inability. When I like this other guy who was talking about how high speed he was, 
Verse 13, he says, But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Mm. This is beautiful to me. But it saddens me too. How many of you, and I'm going to ask a sincere question, I hope, not, I hope I don't get an answer, but I hope it causes you to reflect. How many of you have allowed the enemy to condemn you of your sin to the degree that you have separated yourself from other people and God? Because that's what this guy did. He was so convinced that he was unworthy. He separated himself physically and wouldn't even raise his eyes to heaven. So many of us have, have assumed the counterfeit for conviction, which is condemnation. We believe that we're never going to get it right. But the Bible says in Christ Jesus, you can get it right. That's the difference between conviction and, con and condemnation. The enemy will counterfeit everything that God does to the degree that he can. Couples break up because they fell in love with somebody else. That's counterfeit love. That's lust. Counterfeit for conviction is condemnation. But what's Roman A1 say? For there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus for those who walk according to the Spirit. I tell you, stop separating yourself. Bring yourself back into communion with God, back into communion and fellowship with one another. Raise your eyes to Jesus. You're not, you're not hiding from him. It's the reason why, and there have been times in my life, let me be transparent with you, where I, I knew I sinned and I was ashamed. And I wouldn't pray. There was a time I didn't pray for a whole week. Because I'm like, man, if I pray, I'm going to have to tell God what I did. After about a week, Holy Spirit goes, hey, man, he knows already. <laughs> you know? But have you ever been there? You ever been so downcast that you didn't want to raise your eyes up? And maybe it's not because you didn't want God to see you, but because you didn't want God to take from you something you liked. And I've been there too. If I ask God to take this from me, maybe he will. Oh, I don't want, I, I like that. No. You can't break a sin over your life if you're still playing with it. But he separates himself. He downcasts his eyes, beats his chest, and says this, these seven words. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. God, extend grace to me. Because remember we talked about grace several months ago? Grace is an extension of mercy. Mercy is an extension of love. When he's asking for mercy from God, he's asking God to love him enough to extend grace to him and forgive him for his unrighteousness. Isn't it beautiful that we get to do the same? 
that we can count on this promise. In fact, every promise in the word is this, 2 Corinthians 1.20, for as many as are the promises of God, in him, God, it is yes. Wherefore also by him is our amen to the glory of God through us. When I don't separate myself, when I raise my eyes to him, when I call out in repentance, his answer is yes. And my response is amen because I'm that confident in his yes so that he might ultimately receive glory for his yes. Amen? Isn't that good? But we can't get it and can't have it if we're not willing to acknowledge who we are. Sinners saved by grace. Number three, in humility, we walk away justified. I tell you, this man went to his house justified other than the other. This is verse 14. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's pretty simple. I, I picture this Pharisee doing what Pharisees do. He's just at his loud prayer, trying to look righteous in front of everybody, probably being adored by the people. They're honoring him. They're doing all the stuff that the Bible says, giving him first place, probably getting out of his way when he walks out of the temple. You know, he's got his phylactery on, feeling all righteous. The Bible says he left and went to his house unjustified. But this guy, the guy who humbled himself in prayer, was justified. He was exalted because he was humble. The other one, will be humbled because he thought himself exalted. Our job is to seek justification, which God readily offers us in Jesus. To be justified just means to have your charges stripped of you. Your charge is that you're a sinner condemned to death. Jesus stripped those charges of you. Amen? But we have to be willing to pray. Humility with expectation that God will do what he says he'll do. And then finally, in humility, we receive the kingdom of God. In humility, we receive the kingdom of God. 15, 16, and 17. I'll tell you, most, most people stop this teaching, this parable. They say, well, it stops at 14, and then he gives another lesson in 15 through 17. But I don't think that's true. I think it's intended to highlight the importance of verses 9 through 14 as it reads like this. And they were bringing even their babies to him so that he would touch them. But then the disciples saw it, they began rebuking them. But Jesus called for them saying, Permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God is like a child, will not enter it at all. This, this bullet point ain't that long. My desire at the end of all things is to receive the kingdom of God, is to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible tells me 
that if I will humble myself in prayer, because they were coming to Jesus. If we come to Jesus in humility as a child, then we have the promise that Jesus gave that child, which is that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen? We can't, we can't expect to receive anything if we're too prideful to think we're capable of accomplishing that thing on our own. My prayer for us is to see how we really do lack. Repent of that and walk in humility. Pray in humility. Amen? Let's pray.